Our Father, we thank you for this hour. It's not by accident that at a time like this, we will be gathered at your feet. It's by your divine providence. It's by your mercies that we seated here this morning. But to you be all the glory in the name of Jesus. Let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart be accepted unto you, O Lord my God and my Redeemer. And let it be a blessing unto us in the name of Jesus. And amen. I want to appreciate the church pastorate for giving me the opportunity to share a few of uh, my convictions with us this morning. It's a privilege that I esteem so highly. I'm not taking it for granted. Daddy, thank you for giving me this opportunity. We are here this morning for three things. Is a day of thanksgiving. It's also a day of evaluation and it's a day of strategizing. This is the first Sunday in the second half of the year 2023. And we know that the second, the early part of the second half of any match is usually very critical. We are at a very critical stage in the year. You see, a lot has happened this year. You must agree with me that a lot has happened this year. You know, the year started with a whole lot of expectations, very high expectations. And we've done the first half. And it's the time for us to ask ourselves, how far? How has it been with us? The first half has been full of a lot of challenges. It's been full of a lot of uncertainties. It's been full of a lot of encounters, both positive and negative. We've recorded lots of successes. And we've also recorded lots of failures. There has been a whole lot of, you know, unfulfilled expectations. I have some myself. And I know that most of us seated down here have a lot of unfulfilled expectations. You wanted it to be this way. You believe that at this stage, by January, I ought to be here. I ought to be doing this. By March, I ought to be doing this. By June, I should be here. And then, you know, this is July. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, as the service went on, God has been speaking to us through songs, ministrations, through our hymn, through words of encouragement. You know, when our daddy was leading prayer and he quoted Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17, though the fig tree fails to blossom, you know, though you enter into your storehouse, and it's almost as if it is empty. You go where you keep your head, and there seems to be no, I mean, nothing. Habakkuk said, I will still rejoice in the Lord. Praise the Lord. And that's what we will do this morning. We want, I want us to raise a song unto the Lord this morning. I want to sing my favorite song. I'll sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I'll sing of the mercies. 
blessings of thy God. Yes, I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the circumstances around us it comes from within praise the lord hallelujah you see we must realize that in the midst of all that is happening it's just like if you get you know if you get into the midst of a sea at the surface of the sea, you see waves going in different directions. They may be going east, going west, going north, going south. But at the depth of the sea, the sea moves in one direction for a season. The deep sea current moves in one direction. And the truth is that no matter what is happening to us now, those things are just superficial upheavals. There is a deep, eternal purpose of God that is moving in just one direction. Hallelujah. And nearer and nearer draws that time when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters covers the sea. That's the purpose of God. And it must come to pass. That's the deep sea current. And that is where we need to tap into. Because we as the church are stakeholders in that purpose. Praise the Lord. In the midst of all our failed expectations, I want to announce to us this morning, God is still doing a whole lot in his church. God is still releasing a whole lot of grace upon his church. 
God is still releasing a whole lot of his divine resources, kingdom resources, eternal resources upon his church. God has continued to invest upon us individually, as families, as his church. And the truth is that the kingdom of God is also a very economical kingdom. Every grace that God releases is tied to a purpose. Is tied to a responsibility. God is a God of abundance. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of abundance. But it is a kingdom that abhors wastage. Praise the Lord. That is the truth. That is the truth. If you look at the book of Daniel chapter 6 verse 2, you know, you see a, a, a pagan king, King Darius. You know, the Bible said that the, the kings appointed about 120 satraps. You know, to oversee his kingdom. And over the 120 satraps, he also appointed about three administrators. That Daniel was one of them. And the purpose for doing that was that the kingdom might not suffer loss. The kingdom of God doesn't want to suffer loss at all. That's why in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 to 2, you know, our brother Paul was telling the Corinthian church, So I beseech you, brethren, that you do not receive the grace of God in vain. In the midst of all the hardships, in the midst of all the difficulties, God is still releasing grace. God, you know, if you, if, if you listen to what you hear over the social media, if by the time you even move around, you will begin to thank God for your life. You begin to thank God for this church. Now, for six months, we've never really had any cause to panic. Or to begin to run around say, ah, brethren, let's raise money. This so-so person or the other person is in captivity. It is the grace of God. It is the mercies of God. We cannot take it for granted. Over the weekend, I traveled to my hometown, you know, and you know, I went because I lost a couple of <laughs> relatives, relations, about three of them. And uh, I had to arrange my journey to be able to do the visit to attend to the tree all together. And as I was traveling, you know, I met heavy security presence. In fact, I saw men that were armed with anti-aircraft guns, close to at least they up to a hundred from the Nigerian Navy. You know, because well, somebody from my area was appointed the chief of naval staff, and one of the persons that died was related to him. I think they sent them there, and um, I was just looking at. It. I didn't know whether to start feeling safer. Who start feeling less safe by the reason of their presence. But for you to deploy men with anti these anti aircraft guns are guns that you can stand here, you can take out targets at a the main market. And they are bringing it to <laughs> a rural area like ours, so many of it. You look at their bullets, their bullets are as long as my hand. Their bullets are like missiles. You know, it all points to the fact that we are living in desperate times. We are living in difficult times. But in the midst of these desperate times, in the midst of these difficult times, God still has an expectation from us. Amen. If you look at the book of Genesis chapter 26, verse 1, then verse 12, verse 13, verse 1, I've talked about a famine that was in the land of, you know, Palestine as at that time. 
It was like the second famine that Isaac encountered, Isaac the son of Abraham encountered. He said that there was famine in the land. If you go down to Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 and 13, you know so that even in the midst of that famine, Isaac sowed a seed and reaped a hundredfold. In the midst of famine. So that there are unmet expectations, that there are so much stress and difficulties, some assaulting economic policies, is not really an excuse for us to stop sowing seeds. God expects us that even in the midst of times like this, we'll still continue to sow seeds. We'll still continue to occupy the position that God has placed, to, placed us. We'll still continue to utilize the grace and the resources that God has given to us to advance the kingdom of God. No wonder God is bringing his word to us on the topic that says occupying at your station. The topic this morning says occupying at your station. We read from uh, the book of Luke, chapter 19. We read from verse 11 to 27. But I will just read only one verse for the sake of time. And I will say a few things and we will pray. Luke, chapter 19. I will read just uh, verse uh, twenty. Luke chapter 19, verse, okay, I'll just read verse 12. He said, a man of a noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So, he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minors, says, Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Some other version says, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Put this money to work till I come. Where do you occupy? And how do you occupy? The topic says occupying at your station. Two keywords. Occupying and station. Or just the phrase, your station. I'll just look at those two keywords, say a few things, and I'll be summarizing. So I want to look at the phrase your station station is a word that is very common to us we talk about the bus station the train station the filling station so what is station it's just a location with some activity going on there that is a functional location. That is a station. And the truth is that every child of God, whether elderly, whether middle-aged, whether a youth, or even a child who has come to understanding that he or she is a child of God, you have a spiritual duty station. There is a spiritual duty station that God has allocated to you. And God expects you to functionally occupy it. God expects activity in that particular station. And for a time and for a space and for a season, it is you that God is expecting to generate 
that activity. And the truth is that these stations of life can actually ch- change. It is dynamic. It's not static. Say, ah, my own is just to, you know, to come and clean seats on Sunday. It's okay. It's a station of life that God may have given to you. There is a book <laughs> that has a very funny title that describes the stations, the locations, the positions, the responsibility a single individual can occupy within the space of 24 hours. The title of the book is, 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 the book is titled From the Office Clerk to the Grand Imperial Lizard. From the office clerk to the grand imperial lizard. So he was describing a man that when he wakes up in the morning, you know, he functions as a husband to the wife. The wife says, ah, good morning, daddy. Say, good morning, how are you? You know, functions as a husband to the wife, taking care of the wife. The children will come to greet him. Uh, Daddy, good morning. He functions as a father to the children. Then he will now leave. The man's father was still alive. He will now leave and go and greet his father. And functions as a son to the father. Then he now prepares and now goes to work. Where he is just an office clerk. And the boss will be bossing him around, sending him here and there. Then in the evening, there is a place where they gather, a kind of a religious organization, where he is the grand imperial lizard. Here he is the ultimate. He functions as the boss, even his own boss, and his father, and his wife. They come to that place and he functions as the boss to his father <laughs> to his children to the wife to the boss in church praise the lord but what i'm trying to say is that these stations of life are dynamic and you must occupy at every stage of this dynamic station actively and what do you do? What, what does it mean to occupy? If you are, occupy a position, you'll be given a mandate on what to do. And for every child of God, like I said, you have a spiritual duty post that if you effectively occupy it, God will give you a mandate. Of what to do for him and for the kingdom. And for every child of God, there is a general mandate that is given to each and every one of us. And there are specific mandates that God also gives. You see, when I traveled to Mali, I traveled to Mali for UN missions in September 2017. And um, when we landed there, God made it clear to me. You know, the entire mission, which just ended two days ago, you know, the UN just won down the mission officially two days ago. The entire mission had a mandate. It's a peacekeeping mission. The country, Nigeria, that I joined, the Nigeria contingent, also had a mandate to run a tertiary hospital. And myself, as a child of God, know that I also had a mandate to fulfill there. And the truth is that it was not easy. My first year there was full of war. I'm not talking about physical war. Spiritual warfare. Both there and even in Nigeria here, in my family. Because the enemy knew that I wanted to occupy and fulfill my mandate. And there was war. But thank God that in all things, 
God granted me and us victory. Amen. You all was coming both, you know, administratively, both spiritually, all sorts. But we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. What is the general mandate on a child of God who has found his station, his duty post? Number one, you must function as a light. That's the number one mandate. In a rapidly darkening world, you know this present world is rapidly darkening. We must illuminate the world by displaying heavenly wisdom. By displaying the virtues of the kingdom. By displaying the Christian character. By displaying the power and the glory of God. In whatever station we find ourselves. We must function as the light. By exposing sin wherever we see it. We must function as the light. Illuminating wherever environment we will find ourselves. The book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 40 says, You are the light of the world. A lamp that is on top of a hill. That is your primary mandate. It is for every child of God who has come to understanding. That look, I have a role. I have a place. I have a station. Number two. You must function as salt. We all use salt in our kitchen. You have to function as salt in a very tasteless generation. This, this, this generation is becoming more and more sour. Tasteless. People are becoming so selfish, so careless, so savourless, so tasteless, you know, degenerating. A generation that is degenerating, salt has a preserving property. And as a child of God, your mandate is in the midst of all that is happening to walk surreptitiously, to walk calmly, to walk gently, trying to preserve Christian culture and values in this generation. In whatever station that God has located you. Whether as an adult or a youth or even a child. You must function as salt. You must do all within your capacity to activate love. To activate joy. To add some kind of sweetness to systems, to societies. You know, to create an atmosphere of conviviality. Hallelujah. To try to bring out the best in others. That is what salt does. I wrote a report. Well, let me, I will get to that. That is what is expected of you. That's the general mandate of what you are expected to do in your station. And number three, you must be a witness. You must be a witness. You must have the willingness, the desire to testify of the encounter you've had with this grace that brings salvation. You must be able to share the experiential knowledge of God. Yes, I mean, how, how, what, what is Jesus to you? How has it been your work with the Lord? Can you boldly stand and share your experience about Christ, about this grace, about this salvation? You must function as a witness. Demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God. In the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said, And you shall receive power, and then you shall be witnesses. Unto me from Jerusalem to Samaria to the uttermost part of the earth, including Enugu. So this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all men. What is the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom 
is the message that is backed with the power, with the authority of the kingdom. It's a little more than uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Once you mention kingdom, it's all about power. So when the Bible says this gospel of the kingdom must be preached, it's the gospel that is backed with the power, with the authority of the kingdom of God, which must be preached to all generations. And the mandate to do that rests on you and me once we discover our station, our own position. Praise the Lord. This is the general mandate for every child of God. Then once in a while, God isolates some of his children and gives them some special mandate, specific mandate. Right from the time of Adam and Eve, through the time of the patriarchs, through the time of the prophets, through the time of Christ and his apostles, God has always given some of his children some specific mandates. Those mandates are specific you must recognize them. And they are for a particular time. They are for a particular space. If you look through the scriptures, you see so much of it. Even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he had a clear mandate. You know, in the book of Psalm, chapter 40, verse 7, you know, he said, Lo, I come. In the volume of the books, it is written concerning me to do your will. That is the mandate upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the volume of the books is written. That one is not just about Bible. There are books. In our spirit man there are books. That God has written concerning us. He wrote concerning the patriarchs. He wrote concerning the prophets. He wrote concerning Christ. He wrote concerning the apostles. In the volume of the books it is written. It is left for you as a child of God. If you have reached that level of maturity. To discover what is specifically written for you. To fulfill as a child of God. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ discovered his own. That's why in the book of Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1. To say the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For the Lord God has anointed me. You know. To open the eyes of the blind. You know. If you read throughout that, so I won't be able to read it. But if you see the mandate that was upon Jesus Christ, the mandate of restoration. If you look at the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13, verse 2, you will see the specific mandate that was upon our brother Paul. I said that, you know, in the church in Antioch, they had prophets. They had preachers. And as they ministered unto the Lord in prayers and fasting, the Spirit of God spoke and said, Separate from me, Paul and Barnabas, for the task that I have for them. Hallelujah. That is the specific mandate that was given to them. If you look at the ministry of our brother Paul, you know, the two preceding chapters, in chapter 11 and chapter 12. And you look at his ministry from chapter 13, you know, down to 14, 15, you will see a difference. Somebody who has discovered the specific mandate upon his life. Hallelujah. What is the Spirit of God talking about you as an individual? What is written in the books concerning you for this particular time? It is domiciled in God. The hidden things belong to God. The things that are revealed are for us and for our children. So that we are able to fulfill all that is documented in the books concerning us. That is the mandate. God is ever willing to reveal it to us. Hallelujah. How do you occupy? I've talked about your station in life. Your spiritual duty post. Now let me talk about occupying that station. Occupying a station is actually, you know, is, is a strategic military term. 
as I'm talking to us now, Russian military is occupying about one over seven of Ukraine. Sorry, I'm not pro-Russia or pro-Ukraine or anything. I'm just trying to explain occupy. That when we start using the term occupy, occupying your station, we will understand what it means. They are occupying about one-seventh of the whole of Ukraine. As I'm talking to us, <laughs> the forces of the Nigerian Navy are occupying my village. <laughs> that is the truth. You know, before they came, we had our, these local vigilantes that use uh, all this pump action and then gun and um, maybe double-barreled guns. And then, of course, they did all their feasibility or gathered all their intelligence. And then they came with machine guns and anti-aircraft machine guns. And the moment everybody saw that, that was it. They have occupied. Everybody just calmed down. So, both militarily and spiritually, to occupy most times involves at the initial stage some form of engaging and subduing the enemy. Before you start talking about occupation, to occupy, there must be some form of engagement and subduing of the enemy with superior fire power. It happened to me personally when I went to Mali. Yes, there was serious engagement with the enemy. You know, that place was it's, it's desert. When you come out, you look up, it's a cloudless sky, everywhere blue. And you'll be thinking, wow, hey, what a fair sky. But the whole sky was loaded with spiritual forces that I had to personally engage. For many months before they could allow me <laughs> to occupy, to fulfill my mandate in that place. Praise the Lord. So, there must be some form of engagement of the enemy. You must gain some form of strategic advantage over yourself, over sin, over Satan, over the world. Before you start talking about occupying. Yes. If not, you'll be eliminated. Those things will overwhelm you. If you are still struggling, today you are out of sin. Tomorrow you are in sin. Next tomorrow you are struggling with this and that. It will be extremely difficult or near impossible for you to start talking about occupying your station. You must gain some strategic advantage, superiority over the cravings of your heart, of yourself, over sin, over Satan, over the world systems. Then you can start talking about occupying. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That is number one prerequisite. Something that must be on ground. Number two, for you to start talking about occupying, you see, you, 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 have, to, you have to refine your faith. <laughs> I don't know how to do but if you look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 4, we have talk, talked about remove the dross from the silver and out comes something that is fit for the silversmith. You must refine your faith. Your faith must be weapon great. There is a faith, some Christian faith, that is not weapon great faith. Tottering faith. Listen. If you, if you tune on the radio, you just see all the time, the, the whole world... The civilized world, US, UK, the whole of NATO, their eyes are upon Iran. 
Why is their eye upon Iran? They say Iran is trying to develop nuclear weapons. They have the material and they seem to have the capacity to refine it and to enrich it into something that is weapon grade. But do you know that virtually in the whole of West Africa, we have a lot of radioactive <laughs> substances that the whites are coming to tap. But nobody disturbs us. Nobody bothers us. Why? It is not refined. It is not weapon grade. It is not fissionable. It cannot do anything. It's fundamentally useless. In fact, it is it's harmful. Praise the Lord. But the moment you have the capacity to now refine it, to enrich it, to something that is weapon grade, something that can, <laughs> that can act, the eye of the world will come upon you. These are, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, well, metallurgy or whatever. But in the spiritual realm, it is also like that. You must refine your faith. You must bring your faith to a stage where, you know, it can be used. Where it is weapon grade. How do you do the refining? How? Look at the book of Titus chapter 2 verse 11. That the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly loss we begin to live soberly you know live carefully even in this present time there is the appearance of grace and there is the teaching of grace the process of teaching and you internalizing it and acting on it taking away the dross that is how your faith is refined. That's how it is made weapon grade. That is how you know it, it, it will become fissionable. It become useful to the kingdom in advancing the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Number three, you must have a heart that is prepared for action, not just for analysis. Throughout the book of First Peter chapter 1 verse 13, the Bible says, Therefore, prepare your mind for action. For action. Preparation alone cannot win any war. No matter how well you prepare and you analyze and you cross all the T's and you dot all the I's, it is impossible to win a war just by preparation alone. There must be action. One of my classmates, <laughs> when we were in the medical school, he said that too much analysis leads to paralysis. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the life of a lot of us, children of God, most of us report at our spiritual duty post, more ready for analysis, not action. Analysis. You analyze how to pray. You analyze how to go for evangelism. You analyze Christian charity, how to give. But actually, you are not acting. You are not doing. You must prepare your heart for action. I'll be rounding up. I'll round up in a few minutes. Practically, what are examples of these stations of life that we are expected to function? Primarily, the home is the primary station. Your home, your home, your home is the primary station. Where you must occupy and begin to fulfill mandates. Both the general mandate and the specific mandates. Your workplace, your marketplace, schools, even for children, is your own station where you need to occupy. The church of God is a station. Your social space in the social media is a station. How do you occupy? What are you know, the steps, the prerequisites 
You must occupy in spiritual insights. You occupy by revelation. You don't just function by experience alone. Experience is good. It's good you have experience, you know, as an elder, you've been experienced in this thing. But experience is not enough. You don't just function by, you know, there are some people in their family. <laughs> A father functions by democracy. You say, uh, this thing now, okay, uh, you have three children. Uh, it's okay, okay, what do you say? Okay, say it's A. And you say, okay, Okafo, what do you say? Okafo, say it's B. Okore, what do you say? Okafo, say it's A. Okay, we are going to A. You know, I'm a democratic father. Praise the Lord. You don't just function by democracy, by majority. The majority can be wrong, wrong, and very wrong, and lead you into the abyss. You must be able to say, I have a persuasion in my heart, in my spirit, that this is what we ought to do. You must function by spiritual insight, by revelation, by awareness. You must occupy in power. You must function in power. I've already talked about it. You must function in humility. You must function in hope, in joy, in praise and thanksgiving. Let me just say a few things about that. You know, sometimes when we are, you know, <laughs> when I'm on the other side, and we'll be singing hymns and singing choruses. Sometimes I see young men here. Open your mouth and sing hymn unto your God. You say, rock of ages, clap for me. You know, you'll be doing a shakara for God. You can't open your mouth to occupy a position and just to sing. I say, hey, these young people don't know what they are facing. As a young Igbo Christian, you are facing a stack of odds already against you. As far as this nation Nigeria is concerned. Every important position that you occupy, you will face more hurdles, more wars, than somebody from any other part. Yes. To do what? To bring you down. To take you out. And if you are not occupying that position in power, the tendency is that you may actually be taken out. And you are here. Open your mouth and sing hymns. You cannot sing. You keep quiet. And you'll be singing lazily. Clumsily. It's terrible. I'll just be pitying such young people. Praise the Lord. Yes, you must occupy in praise. You must occupy in thanksgiving. No matter what is happening, occupy. Still, you know, we talked about, you know, things are hard. But by the time you go into your storehouse, you see that bag of Gary going down drastically at an alarming rate. Occupy in praise. Don't grumble. Don't. Do your best not to grumble, not to complain. Do your best to occupy in praise. Praise the Lord. You must occupy in excellence, professional excellence. As a child of God, you must occupy in professional excellence. You must occupy in space and time, understanding divine timing. There are divine timings which you must understand. So that whatever you do will yield maximum output. If you look at the book of John, I'm not going to read. I've not really read scriptures this morning. John chapter 6 verse 8 to 9. It talked about when Jesus Christ was ministering to thousands and they were hungry. And there was a young man there that had five loaves of bread and two fishes. That young man had that capacity, that little grace, that little resource. That young man could have maybe an hour earlier before Jesus Christ made the announcement or the request. He could have utilized those five loaves and two fishes. Maybe he managed to maybe feed himself and feed one person or feed another person. That's the much the five loaves and two fishes could do. But because the young man deployed that grace at the appropriate time, Time by divine instruction and revelation. Five loaves of bread and two fishes fed thousands. You must occupy by revelation of time and space. 
must understand divine timing. In conclusion, I want to ask us, are you effectively occupying your duty posts? As an elder, as a young person, as a child, are you occupying your duty posts? Is the kingdom of God suffering losses because you are the one there? <laughs> Is the devil scoring goals because you are the one manning that uh, right back? You are the one that is manning the right back. And you see the devil just scoring goal through the right back because you are the one that is there. Listen, sometimes as somebody occupying a post, there are some people who are given the specific mandate of just being watchmen, 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 raising alarm when there is danger. Do you shout at the approach of danger? Or do you just keep quiet so that you maintain, you know, social and dispensational correctness you just keep quiet or you say it in a way that it becomes so you know watered down that you can, you don't even know what the, what the person is saying and god has given you the specific mandate of being a watchman over his church watching out for dangers when you see tendencies I was discussing, sorry, I, you know, I went to discuss with uh, my, the venerable in charge of uh, my church when I went to, and we took time to talk over how the church has failed, the church in my area, the diocese and everything, you know, and the summary of it is that <laughs> it seems like the church is, both the leadership and the laity are trying, are growing more and more materialistic in an environment of dwindling resources that is a crisis that everybody wants more of it and then the quantity is uh, getting smaller and smaller is a dangerous situation something that can explode if it is not arrested and we say who will who will arrest this trend as a watchman who will arrest it Praise the Lord. We must remember that um, <laughs> most of uh, the changes in, uh, in football, most of the changes, they make it at the early stage of the second half. They have played first half and the coach has observed at the early stage of the second half, that is where most changes are made. And that is where we are this morning. Do you think you qualify to remain on the pitch? Or does God have to remove you? Why are you consuming manu? Why are you consuming grace? Why are you consuming divine resources? When very little is coming from your end, is, your wing is leaking and you are consuming grace. Let's pray. Let's begin to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart this morning. Also, when I was preparing this message, I said, I'm the husband man. Let me be the first partaker of this message. So speaking to myself. Let the Holy Spirit search us through and through. Are we consuming grace, consuming resources? Are we taking the grace of God in vain? God is God who has not called the seed of Jacob to seek him in vain. God is very economical. He doesn't waste his grace at all. When he calls me, I will answer. When he calls me, I will answer when he calls me. I will answer. I'll be somewhere walking for my.
this morning. <laughs> like some of the citizens of that noble man, your own response is to hell with you. We don't want to have you as our king. We, we, look, we don't like the way you do. You are still on your own doing your own things. In your whatever station God has given to you, you are still doing your own thing. You don't bother about the standard of the word of God. You are not taking it serious. You know the principles of Christianity, but you are not putting it to practice. You are not yet born again. Your heart is not yet regenerated. And you are here this morning. This morning is an opportunity. You can't start talking about occupying when you are all regenerate. There is nothing for you. You don't have a space yet. You don't have a position yet. And you are here. If you are in that situation, you are still going your own way, doing your own thing, lying, stealing, cheating, committing sexual immorality, you are still here. You hear the word of God, Sunday upon Sunday, and you still continue in your own way. You know what you are telling the nobleman? Go away, to hell with you. If that is your situation this morning, begin to talk to the Lord. Say in the acceptable time he will hear our cry. And today, today is that acceptable time. Today is that day of salvation. If that is your position, begin to speak to the Lord. Ask the Lord to forgive you. You're just going your own way, like the prodigal son, doing your own thing. Ask the Lord to forgive you. To grant you grace to come to yourself and now to turn. So that the grace of God that brings salvation can also appear to you. And as it's appearing to you, engage it. Engage it this morning. Confess your sins to the Lord. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Jesus to forgive you. And the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary will speak salvation on your behalf this morning. And you're a child of God here. You know within yourself that you are not functioning optimally. A lot of losses are accruing to the kingdom of God because you are the one occupying that position. The owner of the fig tree say, Cut it down. Why it the ground? Remove him, put in another person there. Why it the ground? Could that be? The verdict for you this morning has a lot to help you. The vine dresser is pleading for us this morning. Say, no, leave it alone. Let's just water it again. Let's put more manure for just another six months. Is that your position? Ask the Lord to help you. Let's ask the Lord to help us. That will begin to bear fruit begin to effectively occupy our own station our father we thank you for this hour thank you for your word your word is the truth and we shall know the truth and the truth will set us free liberate us this morning oh god from every form of spiritual laziness in the name of jesus Grant us grace to begin to effectively occupy our station in the name of Jesus. That heaven will no longer suffer losses through our own wing in the name of Jesus. We will not waste your grace in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Be thou exalted, great Jehovah. For in Jesus' most precious name, we have prayed. Amen.